This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowship. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. We welcome our online listeners. Those who are listening online, you can get these slides by going back to the source that you got the audio and click on the PDF and it will actually open up uh, the slideshow so you can follow this with us. Here's some points we need to remember. Number one is the truths covered within this study make use of a verse-by-verse approach. Some passages in the Bible, you can take them in sections as passages. Particularly letters that were written by Paul, you have to take in chunks. Some of them, it's two or three verses, and occasionally you're going to find a verse that Paul wrote that is just packed with doctrinal truth. The book of Revelation has to be, and this I found to be the norm for those who have studied the book of Revelation, must be verse by verse. There's so much being said. Due to the fact that the contents of the book are present, yet futuristic for the bridal members today, the writings are revealing events that will occur after the church is removed or raptured from the earth. There's illustrations we're going to be using that are actually from the Bible of the cream of the crop. The cream rising to the top, the process of skimming is the same picture for rapture. Skimming off the cream And the way you get the cream to rise to the top is do nothing. But wait. 49 hours. 49th week of Daniel's. Or 70th week of Daniel's. All these numbers are important to God. But you just wait. So this whole waiting period that we're in is to bring the cream to the top. So the rapture can occur. So for us to pound in doctrines to the 90% that are in the glass versus the 10% that are in the glass is probably an unwise thing to do. If you try to start a church on the details of the surfacing of the cream, you're going to throw the church off. You must look at the end reveal at the beginning reveal at the same time And then God will show you the details in between the two. Few study the book of Revelation like that. That's why I study the book of Revelation through the Hebrew, not through the Greek. Number three. Now in that movie clip I showed you this morning, there's only one thing about the clip that it's hard for me to get beyond. Because what I know, and that is when the actor... Jesus is unfolding the scroll. It's Greek. It's not Hebrew. You're not going to find Greek in heaven. 
There's a reason for that, but we won't go into that now. So number three, from chapter four through the end of the book, we have events occurring that the bride is not to be a part of. Now let's just take the 50s and the husband's going to go and defend his wife. What, what's that husband probably going to ask the wife to do with the kids? Just go somewhere. Get in the car. Head home. I'll take care of this. We assume that God is an emergent new age God. And we put women on the front line. Remember the law that was passed two weeks ago? about putting women on the front line of battle. The picture I saw was a gal with her M16 and you know, big smile on her face after, you know, they ruled that this this is okay. That's where we are today in western thinking. Why? Because we're giving the ladies exactly what they want. If you don't want to be fruitful and multiply and do all this other conservative stuff. Come on out and shoot the guns with the guys. So now add 20 years onto that law of allowance and it will be radical thinking to think that you should stay home and raise your children. Radical. You think you would be under persecution now for being a mother staying at home and raising children and that is your ministry? Wait 20 years from now. They're just now passing laws. 1920 was when a law was passed that a woman has a right to divorce a man. 1920. That was right before I was born. Well, close. That's not very long ago. Do you understand what I'm saying? The woman had no right to divorce her husband until 1920. A man could divorce a woman. All the societies in the entire world supported the scriptures until 1920. What happened in 1920? The Industrial Revolution. What was involved in the Industrial Revolution? Working children too hard. Pulling women out of the homes, putting them in factories. And these ladies said, if you're going to do that, put us on the front line, we want the rights that come with it. And that's how and why they changed it. Then immediately it went into birth control. Do you remember? I don't know if you gals have ever done a historical study on womanhood, but you really should. It's the way you understand what's happening to your environment. As with men doing a historical study on what's happened to manhood. Why are men having these operations to become women? And why are women having operations to become men? That is such a crazy radical idea. It's because the laws would not allow them as a man to do the things that they wanted to do. So what you're going to actually find is probably less surgeries because they're being given the very thing that they're asking for without laws stopping them from enjoying that role. Number four is right now the bride of Christ is being called out. The cream is rising to the top, if you know what I mean. 
Theologians call the times that we are in the church age or the age of dispensation. And so the dispensation means exemption or release from a rule of obligation. So if I was the enemy, God forbid, I would get the church arguing over grace. What, it, what, is, what does it really mean? Because now you have gracilistic. That's the law being applied to grace. You have legalistic churches. And you have churches now, which are growing more than the other two, who have no laws. They're lawless. And they're calling it grace. Should I sin? That grace may abound? That's church one. Paul warned us of that church was coming. It wasn't just several people struggling with it then. Every verse has got a prophetic bent to it. Every verse in the Bible has got a prophetic bent to it. It is, it is setting us up. We're using verses today that were said to these people way back then that it sounds like he really should be over here saying it with us. They're warnings. They're spiritual warnings that God puts inside the teacher to write it all out, to, to have it available. So when they read it, they have deeper understanding. Number five, the book of Revelation is not a book of prophecy. It contains prophecies that are revealed. There's a difference. If you look at it just as a book of prophecy, you're kind of shortchanging yourself. Prophecies were given back in Ezekiel and Daniel, for example, that are actually mentioned in the book of Revelation. Old Testament is packed with prophecies. New Testament is the warning of the prophecies being fulfilled. The book of Revelation shows the reveal of how the prophecies are fulfilled. Prophecies. New Testament is the warning. And the reason why I'm giving you this warning See, John hadn't even gone to the island yet when all this New Testament stuff was given. He hadn't gone yet. So, there's all this going on right here of the warning, 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 warning. And then God says, John, come. Brings him into the heavens. Opens his eyes. Says, uh, pick up a pen and pad. We need to write this down. He was so overwhelmed by it. It fell on his face. Acted like he was dead. And then Christ said, get up, for it is I. <laughs> it was because he was the I that he fell on his face. Because he could not even behold the fact that he could stand before Christ and be fine. But we act like in our churches, and we talk like Christ is our buddy, our friend, you know, our our confidant that will go with us anywhere in any dark hole with this and sin with this and party with this and all the stuff that we hear going on in our Christian institutions and he's right there with us partying away would the Christian actually come out and say that absolutely not but that is what they're doing it says what you do unto the least of these my brethren you do to me 
the, the law of separating ourselves from evil parties is to say, I will not take the presence of my husband into that party. I will not. Not to evangelize, not to... I will not. But then if God says, well, I need to have you minister to that one right there. That's who I'm focused on right now. Okay. You beeline right to that person. Not join the party. There's always sin in someone's heart when they detach. Do you understand that? They have to set the stage for giving themselves reasons for detaching. Because there's sin brewing in their, in their heart. So the setup before the sin is well in advance. And that's what the book of Revelation is about saying, no excuses. I warned you about all this. I gave you the outcome. Number six, it is what, is, it, is what it is. A writing of the Revelation, revealing the life of Christ. It reveals the handiwork of God. And we are presently in a timeline of revelation. It's not what's coming. It's where we are. And that's why the leaders talked to the people back then like it's upon us. We're in it. Number seven. Once the rapture takes place. Right around the 70th week of Daniel's dream. Once that rapture takes place. The whole world completely is turned over to a depraved mind. Right now, Romans 1, starting at chapter 18 to the end of the chapter, God clearly shows us how he turns someone over to a depraved mind. Even though they knew me, they did not honor me as God, and they did their own thing. And after time, after time, after time, when that is done, he finally says, like he said in Romans 1, coming through Paul, the leader, the preacher, and says, for God has turned you over to your depraved mind. That is what he's going to do. The second chapter of Romans is the book of Revelation for us. And you can just read down that list and at the bottom, at the bottom of those verses you're going to see 8, or is it 18? I think it's 8. 8 things that are going to be manifested in the rebel, the one who detached. Hating their parents, uh, immorality, and I wish I could remember them all but I'm kind of glad I don't. But there's, there's these eight things that are going to happen as a result of being turned over to your own mind. So when the rapture occurs, there, there's going to be God just say, now you're on your own. You take a Christian out of a room, you take a Christian out of a party, and it goes depraved. So what God does in isolated situations, Roman 1, Romans 1, uh, he will do in a global capacity uh, in the end times. So it takes about seven years. The Antichrist will have full control of the entire globe for seven years. The first three and a half years is God rubbing 
the peace, 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 world peace, green movement, and all that other stuff, he's rubbing it in their face going, does this work? Have you been able to save this globe? Can you patch the cracks in this earth? Can you stop the rivers from being blood? Can you stop the oceans from turning to blood? Every single plague that was given to Pharaoh is going to be global in the end times. And I can prove it. From the bloody Nile, the snakes, the pestilence, the world is going to be defiled so quick. And the reason is, the Christians are gone. You turn the lights out in a room, some are going to be scared and others are going to take advantage of darkness. As soon as you detach from your leader, the, 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 the Lord says, do not! But we do anyway and darkness settles in. Satan knew that. He had to cut the umbilical cord between Adam and Eve and, and, and God. He knew he couldn't get anything done until he cut the cord. Number eight, the entire political system will be forced to be submissive to Satan. How many countries do we have today? By the way, I've never met a human yet, not one, that has been able to give me the number. 178. Whoa. I don't know. I will tell you this. The public school system is no longer buying maps because they change too fast. That's a little self-revealing if you ask me. Now, here's my point. However many countries there are, they're going to be merging like corporations and merging and merging until we come to seven continents. He said, well, I thought there were 12. No. Even if you say there were nine. Well, yeah, I suppose officially, but what king is going to want to be a king of the Antarctic? You see what I'm saying? There's going to be seven continents and that's it. There will be a king of each continent. Seven kings. And you say that there's ten kings, right? Mentioned in the book of Revelation. Well, you have seven continents. You have one guy leading each continent. Well, wh wh where's the others? I think I would probably add the, the, the trinity of the Antichrist. And even the trinity of the, the Antichrist... We're not even sure exactly how Satan is going to incorporate all that into global government. And we do not find that in the book of Revelation. There are many that work diligently to try to figure that out, but those are details that have not been given to us. Probably for real obvious reasons. So we won't have maps on the wall with lines around the countries. You're going to have like Africa. You're going to have like 
North America. So that means Canada and America is going to have to get out the old peace pens. And Mexico. We can start working on policies on, on uh, you know, border control policies. It's happening in front of us right now. Then they will place a leader of each one of those regions. And they'll answer to the three, but primarily the two who will answer to the one. And that's how it's going to happen. Details of it would be really pushing it for us to try to figure that out. So number nine, then the primary ten powers of the kings will rule the old Roman Empire and their dead glory will resurface again under a new look, a look that will deceive almost everyone that walks the face of the earth. This is the point I get most of my rejection on. I had a Vatican historian on our email list for quite a few years. And the first time we went through this series on the internet is when he drew the line in the sand and I made him prove to me that he was correct and I was wrong and he couldn't do it. Not even from being a historian for the Vatican. I was able to prove to him that this is true. Very few theologians that are not Catholic very few theologians will not support the idea that Rome and there's going to be some superpower in Rome that's going to resurface a whole lot more powerful than what we view them today. Now I'll close this little section and ask you a question. What church has people in every country in the entire world? Catholic Church. What church has become a nation? The Vatican. What church is in Rome? On one of the seven hills that is proactively discussed in the book of Revelation. It's an easy connect. Why did the Pope resign? First Pope ever in history to resign a position. So, here you go, honey. So, did any of you hear that in the news of the Pope resigning? Yeah, I didn't understand the reasons behind it, though. Did you? Yeah. Huh? They believe this one more is going to be the last one. Exactly. And this Pope is so classic in his Catholicism. Old school in his Catholicism. When they introduced the new empire to this present Pope, he himself said, I am done with you folks. What that new is, you're not going to hear that in the news. I guarantee you that will not hit the news. Anytime you, you do due diligence on a leader and you impeach them, you have to 
have a story ready for the press so that the world takes it and gossips about it so it can become a conspiracy. Everyone knows that you can't argue with conspiracies. That's how it works. It's happened to some of our own presidents and it is happening to the Pope. But inside sources say he stepped back and said, I will not support this. Because when he stepped in to be in Pope, almost all of us were told from the media the kind of man he was. He was a classical, classic, uh, old school Catholic. I know. Okay, let me finish these couple bullets and then we'll quit. Uh, you can call this uh, new world leader. You can call this new world leader the Little Horn. And uh, we're really going to have fun when we talk about Little Horn. It's not that guy in Montana. Yeah. But uh, this Little Horn is. Uh, he thinks he's a pretty big horn. And the fact is, he's got little man syndrome. And most guys who have little man syndrome, they don't know they have little man syndrome because they've got big trucks. You know what I mean? So they really, they really don't know, and that's kind of how Satan is. He doesn't, he doesn't get it. He's got a whole world. He's got gold and silver. Because and, the Bible does say, for we as Christians will not even be able to use gold and silver. In fact, it even goes on to say that God will make it worthless. But to him, it's all his. Why does God want to make gold and silver worthless? Because he doesn't want Satan to have anything that's got value. And <coughs> number 11 is we will have a collage. Huh? Colleague. I thought... Okay, this is not making sense here. A collage, it'll be a collage of uh, prophecies. And these colleagues, and that these two colleagues that he has are going to be, and this is, I think, kind of common knowledge for most, most churches, but you're going to have one who's in charge of the financial system, the beast, and then you're going to have one who's in charge of world religion, and that's who will be the next pope. And... Uh, but some have a belief that that Pope will have to enter into the temple in Jerusalem and rule religious affairs from the temple. There's rumors, please listen very carefully, particularly those who are online who are in nations that are strongly Catholic, there is a rumor that the next leader could be a woman. So does that match the prophecies of the red whore? Yes, it does. Is this the venue she'll show up? I'm not really sure. I don't think any of us could really say for sure. But uh, there's evidence of some of that stuff brewing. Number 12, it's not forget the whole mystical Babylon thing. This is the part of the book of Revelation that was very laborious for me. There's so much in everything that happened in Babylon that's in Revelation. It's a repeat. This new Babylon thing that is talked about, 
There's just so much. So if you've done studies on Babylon, you're going to understand the book of Revelation very easy. 13, Old Babylon sits on a pile of dirt just south of uh, the capital of Iraq. It just happens to be the exact spot that Saddam was hiding in. He was in a hole between the two rivers. And that is literally in the prophecies. So was Saddam a part of the end times? I say yes. 14. Once the superpower takes control, our husband will come and overthrow its power, destroy the great whore, and then Christ will go directly to the beast and then to the Antichrist. Saves the best for last, of course. And then uh, we have many details to cover in regard to these facts. But as for now, I think we all know we win. So when you know you win, don't you have a little more confidence when you go into a battle? Because the fear comes from I'm going to lose something. And when that's gone, that gives you extra confidence as you're going into battles. That's how we need to do this study. The eternal message of the book is that Christ, our husband, is coming back for his bride. After removing us from this mess, he takes matters into his own hands. After removing the bride of Christ from this mess, he takes the matter into his own hands. If you're a bridal member of Jesus Christ that thinks you're going to have a sword in your hand, being right there in the middle of the Battle of Armageddon, you probably should read your Bible a little closer. With a Hebrew eye. Women are not to be a part of such battles. This is going to be a battle fought by men. Meaning the demonic forces. And the masculinity of a demonic image. Satan. And then Jesus Christ is going to fight the battle for us. The scripture tells us. And all the angels of Michael that are going to be in there fighting with him. That's my belief. And I believe the Bride of Christ will be preserved. She's preparing for the feast. And it won't be <coughs> uh, pleasant to watch, whether we'll get to see it from afar or whatever. And it certainly will be horrid to hear about and grievous to be a part of, at least the birth pangs for us, of the end times. So don't be afraid of this book. Consider it a gift God give you. snap into your future. God loves us so much that he you and me to see our, with our own eyes the living proof that he is in charge and that we should not be frightened by a sudden fear. And that's the thing that women are most known for is being frightened by sudden fear. Q and I are women as well. Bride of Christ. He does not want the bride of his son to be frightened by all these noises that have come out of time. Because there are, as Peter said, the guests in 1 Peter chapter 3, serious consequences of what you do. Yes, frightened by fear, you make separation decisions. to destruction. Thank you for joining us today. Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas. Our fellowship includes the family and all levels of worship. 
Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. Many people ask us, what does that really mean, or how does it benefit them? Well, it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events, and we will work to keep the focus on God, Jesus Christ, and the body of Christ without dividing up the family at the front door. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family-integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. Get yourself in a bind, lose a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare.